Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Oh my goodness, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Jim Heskett's Thriller Fiction Podcast, presented by Jim Heskett, starring Jim Heskett. I'm your host, Jim Heskett. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? Um, uh, If I say my name enough times, it doesn't sound like a real word anymore. Anyway, so today on the show, on the third episode of the fifth season, we are going to be talking about some behind-the-scenes uh, information on the third book in the Lane Parish series, Omega Trap. And, um, you know, if you want a, f- uh, a free, full Lane Parish story, you can go back to season two and listen to me reading Museum Attack, the Lane Parish prequel novella in its entirety. And you can also get that ebook 100% for free at jimheskett.com forward slash reader group where you can just sign up for my email list. You get that. You get a full-length Micah Reed novel that's not available for sale in stores, and you also get a sampler of my other fiction, along with opportunities to join giveaways and other cool stuff that's only for my mailing list. Anyway, so let's talk about Lane Parish. The third book in the Lane Parish series, by now it's it's a trilogy. It's, it's, um, it's a full series. It's ongoing, and uh, things are really cooking. And... Um, I should point out that the Lane Parish books, like most of my fiction, the Lane Parish books are standalone spy thrillers. You can read them in any order um, and get a full and complete story, but sort of like the Micah Reed series, I want people to read them in the order in which they were published because a lot of it with Micah, with uh, Lane Parish is that each each present day story, like I talked about, you know, there's there's the interlude story about Lane's past, then there's the present day story about whatever adventure Lane is on in the present. And the interludes are sort of building to something like in, in, uh, uh, in Shadow Soldiers, the interludes are basically about how Lane went from being recruited to becoming actually a member of the Shadow team. In book two, Snowblind, it was about Lane Parrish's final mission. And one of the things that I'd hinted at in the first two books was Lane was recruited by um, Daphne Keurig when he was uh, in his early 20s, I think 22 or 23 years old. No, 24. He was 24 years old when he was recruited. And that there was mention that Lane was only recruited um, because of the crazy thing he did in college. So that was something that had been mentioned in previous books. And so I thought a great topic for the interlude in book three in Omega Trap would be to actually describe the crazy thing that Lane did in college that caught the attention of Daphne Keurig and inspired her to recruit him to come become a shadow. So I don't want to spoil too much about that interlude because it has some kind of shocking moments and some twists, but I will say that In this book, the interlude takes place 16 years in the past. So Lane is only 24, and it happens while he was in college, and something happened there, which also helps explain part of the reason why Lane has tattoos all over his arms. Now, when I was writing it, I was very cognizant of um, Lost Season 3 in the flashback that explained how Jack got his tattoos, So I didn't, (laughs) which was kind of a dumb story. 
I love the show Lost, but that was a dumb episode. So I, I, I didn't want to have a repeat of that and have it like be some big surprise reveal about his tattoos. But it's just sort of an interesting tidbit of information, not central to the story. But you do learn why Lane has tattoo sleeves from his shoulders to his wrists on um, both arms. Now, let's talk about Omega Trap. The Now, I mentioned before in the last episode about how I did not want to shy away from controversy or controversy, depending on where you are uh, listening to this. Um, I didn't want to shy away from controversy, and but I also don't want to um, write a book that's opinionated, that's trying to make you have a certain opinion about things. And in book two, it talked about human trafficking. And in book three, in Omega Trap, this book deals with a school shooting. And that comes up in the first chapter that I'm going to be reading to you here in a couple minutes. So yes, there's a school shooting in the first chapter. And it was my goal. I knew this would be a little bit controversial, but I haven't been... I haven't been hurt in the reviews about it. I think partly because I've, I've done my best to treat it with um, with care and with dignity when talking about it. And also, um, so it does touch a little bit uh, in the novel at a couple points about the Second Amendment and gun control. But this way I look at it is that me, Jim Heskett, as a human being and as an American, I have opinions on the Second Amendment and about gun control. But it's not my job to um, try to convince anyone that my opinion is correct, or it's not even my job to give you my opinion. I'm writing this book as a character. You know, in Lane's scenes, Lane has his opinions. Um, In Serena's scenes, she has her opinions. Everybody has their own opinions in the book. Okay, so let's actually get in to discussing uh, the non-controversial stuff, the story. Now, in this book, it's set mostly in Colorado, but I also wanted to maintain some of that international aspect to it. So um, Serena Rojas, who is becoming a very strong and very interesting character in her own right over the course of the series, Serena goes overseas and she's in Phuket, Thailand, which is a place that I have been. So far, I've only set these books in places that I have been Um, because, you know, I I do set a lot of my books in and around Denver and other areas of Colorado because I've I've lived here for a long time. Uh, I'm outside of Denver in a little suburb outside of Denver where I'm recording this right now. And so I'm very familiar with the area. And I try not to write books in places that I'm not familiar with or that I can't reasonably replicate. So, yeah, this this is the first book that takes place where Lane is essentially um, entirely in Colorado, I think. I don't think Lane leaves Colorado throughout this book, but Serena does. She goes over to Phuket, Thailand and has her own little related side story over there. But, like... Like Snowblind, this is a story about Lane investigating something, and um, because because as a result of the school shooting, he finds out a friend of his is involved with something, and Lane goes to investigate, and so he goes undercover again. And I've always loved undercover stories because there's always that constant tension of will the person get caught, what will happen if they get caught. I think it's just such a great ready-made suspense factory anyway i think that's all i need to preface about chapter one here in omega trap and now i'm going to go ahead and get started reading it
Cameron Parrish hurtled through space, clinging to the metal chain links of the swing, her three-year-old body blurred. As Lane waited for her to finish the climb and return in his direction, his ears hummed, filled with her frantic giggling, pure joy streamed from her vocal cords. He couldn't recall the last time he'd witnessed such flawless, unadulterated exultation. Maybe that was the point of having children, experiencing sensations through the eyes of someone not yet jaded or burned by the world. Lane stood behind her, the primary pusher, and Cameron's mother, Anessa, was in the front. She would hold up her hands so Cameron could bump her feet against them. Each time it happened, Anessa beamed. Her smile, a mile wide, lit her face. Lane rarely pined for his ex-wife, but it wasn't hard for him to remember why he'd been so attracted to her in the first place. Also, too easy to remember why he'd divorced her. Okay, Cameron shouted, I'm done. When she returned his way, Lane grabbed either side of the swing and slowed her until the thing came to rest in the middle. He lifted her out of the contraption and set her on the playground, a soft area consisting of a sea of recycled tire bits. He held her there a moment to make sure she wasn't dizzy. What next, little one? He asked as he pushed up his shirt sleeves, revealing the tattoos blanketing both of his arms from shoulder to wrist. Her head swiveled around to evaluate the many wonders of this little park in Broomfield, Colorado, close to where Cameron lived with her mother some of the time. On this one compact block were the city's grade school and high school. As Cameron deliberated, Lane could even hear the classroom bell ringing at the high school at the edge of the park. Slide, Cam said. I want to go slide a whole bunch of times. Slide it is, Lane said. As he stood back up, he met Anessa's eyes, and both of their smiles faded. These co-parenting playdates had been his idea, but that didn't make it any more pleasant to see his ex. Sometimes he was even still mad at her. Lane had lots of practice in the art of being civil, and he considered himself to be quite skilled at it. We should talk about something, she said in her abrasive Russian accent. It's important. Can it wait, Lane said. I have a thing to... But before Lane could finish the sentence... A booming noise raced across the park, a crack, loud enough to interrupt his thoughts. The sound peaked and then dissipated with a rolling echo like thunder. When it happened a second time, Lane knew for sure that it had been a Kalishnikov AK-12 in semi-automatic mode. A few more shots ripped across the courtyard. By instinct, Lane pulled Cameron close to him. He knelt, folding his arms around her. As Anessa gasped and covered her head with her hands, Lane's eyes darted around, searching for the source of the blasts. Within a couple seconds, he'd found their origin. The shots were coming from inside the high school, just beyond the park. Lane studied the grounds adjacent to the school to be sure there were no shooters outside before he released his grip on his daughter. He then spun Cameron around and took a breath before speaking. He didn't want her to notice the spike in his heart rate. I need you to go with Mommy. Cameron nodded dumbly as he pushed his daughter back toward her mother. Anessa stood there, frozen in a state of near panic. Lane took Cameron's hand and inserted it into Anessa's hand, pressing it there. He stood up and snapped his fingers in front of Anessa's face. This broke his ex out of her trance. She stared at him as more gunshots echoed across the park, an echo of shouts and screams coming from the school. Whatever was happening in there, it had escalated. The gunfire came at a more rapid clip now. What's going on, Anessa said, licking her lips, chest heaving. Lane removed his car keys and placed them in Anessa's hand. Take Cameron. Put her in the car and drive back to your house. Do not stop, no matter what you see. Understand? 
and Essa gulped air, her eyes darting around the park. I need you to say it. Do you understand? She nodded, head jerking up and down. I will take her back to my house. I can do this. He pointed them both toward the car, the dormant on the opposite side of the park from the school. With a little push, he set them in motion and then drew the Colt Peacemaker from his concealed hip holster. He held it behind his back so Cam wouldn't see. As Anessa hustled their daughter towards safety, the little girl looked back at him. He gave her a wave and forced a smile. Once they were out of sight, Lane turned and sprinted toward the school as echoes of new gunshots sped across the park. He kept his breaths even as he heaved long strides across the grass, in the nose, out the mouth, blinking so his eyes wouldn't dry out. At times like this, elements of his training engaged in quick succession like pistols firing in an engine. All the tools he thought he'd locked away, never to be needed again. Near the school's front walkway, he hunkered down next to a trash can and kept his eyes on the street. He waited and watched Anessa buckling Cameron into the car seat and then scrambling around the other side of the car to start it up. Safe. They were safe and free. As soon as Anessa had left her parking spot and started to drive away, Lane first removed a small tube from his pocket and popped a nicotine lozenge into his mouth. Instant relief flooded his bloodstream. Then he burst from his hiding place and rushed into the school. He flung back the door, unsure what he would find, but telling himself to be ready for anything. He first saw a security guard face down on the floor, arms splayed wide, a puddle of blood next to his head. Lane stood in a wide hallway, lockers lining each side, windowed classrooms at intervals, paper banners promoting an upcoming baseball game, torn and littering the hallway like chunky confetti. The resemblance to the incident of 16 years ago throbbed inside his head. The shouts, the screams, the blood. But he couldn't allow himself to become distracted now. He closed his eyes and focused on slowing his heart so he could listen. With no knowledge of the school's layout, he had to be careful before committing to a path down any of these maze-like passageways. Lane then heard shouting somewhere to the northwest of his current position. Not in this hall. He pointed the peacemaker low and crept along the tiled floor. The locker area opened up to a series of classroom doors. At the first door, he peered through the window and saw an empty classroom. Same with the next. Of course, there could be kids or teachers hiding in the closets beyond his field of view, but he decided to let them be. If they were hidden well enough for now, maybe the shooter would leave them alone. Shooters. Could be more than one. Lane knew so little right now. At the third door, he saw a foot sticking out from behind the teacher's desk. He opened the door slowly, with his pistol pointed at an angle toward the ground. If you're in here, please come out. I'm not going to hurt you. A head poked out from the other side of the desk, and a wash of relief passed over the male teenager's face when he saw Lane. Handsome, white, well-dressed, with hair carved like a politician. Who are you? I'm a friend. I'm a friend, Lane said, hovering in the doorway. Is it over? Lane shook his head. Something in the kid's face said he'd seen action today. How many of them are there? One, the kid said, stuttering through the word. Just, just one, I think. He was asking for me. He said he was looking for me. Why is he looking for me? I don't know, man. It doesn't matter right now. We have to get you out of here. Lane waved him out, and the boy emerged with two other girls. But he's out there, a girl said. 
Yes, Lane said, inside. If we get you out the front door, you'll be fine. Let's move quick. The boy teen babbled, making no sense. They looked so young, so terrified, just kids who'd found themselves trapped in a nightmare. Come with me, Elaine said. It's a straight line to the outside. I know this is terrifying, but you need to be a little brave. You can do this. Be brave just for a minute, then it's over. At first, they wouldn't move, so Lane entered the room and holstered his gun. He held out a hand and beckoned them to come with him. Please. The three kids shuffled forward, clutching each other. The kid who'd said the shooter had been looking for him led the way, biting back tears. Lane pointed them out the door and then escorted them into the hall. He had to physically push the three of them down the hallway. Their legs seemed to stop working every few steps. At the door, he pointed at the street on the other side of the park. Sirens echoed in the distance. Go there. Wait in the street. The cops will be here any second. You're safe now as long as you stay far away from the building. Lane shoved them out the door and then slammed it shut behind them. He drew his peacemaker and met the eyes of the teen boy one more time. After a quick nod, Lane rushed down the hall toward the continuing sound of gunfire. He threw back a door to find another perpendicular hallway, and his eyes landed on a young teacher with bullet holes across her stomach. Her mouth was open, blood spilling out, leaning back against a trophy case, dead, eyes wide and fixed on a water fountain behind Lane. He had no time to mourn for her. This hallway led to the gymnasium, and he could see it through a window crisscrossed with safety glass. Inside the large and open space, dozens of kids sat in the bleachers on either side of the basketball court. In the center of the court were a podium and a microphone. The students had been in the middle of a pep rally when this had begun. Standing behind the podium, a brown-haired white kid held that AK-12, waving it around, menacing the kids in the stands, his back to Lane. An adult was at his feet, sprawled on the ground, a streak of blood cascading out from his body like a river. Lane had seen no students killed so far, oddly enough. "'Where is he?' the kid shouted at the students sitting in the bleachers. There was something familiar about his voice. The young man leveled his rifle toward a cluster of kids in the front row, and Lane burst through the door. The kid turned. His eyes met Lane's. For an endless fraction of a second, Lane's understanding of the situation formed piece by piece. His mouth dropped open. He recognized the school shooter. Noah? Noah Smith's eyes turned into giant white saucers as he lowered the assault rifle and cocked his head. Mr. Parrish? And that is Omega Trap. You can definitely see right away that it has a much uh, faster and more intense start than Snowblind and even Shadow Soldiers. This... This book wastes no time getting into the action right away. Not to say that I think it's better than Snowblind or Shadow Soldiers. It's just a more intense feeling at the very start. And I think that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, you saw there were hints there early on in the chapter of the interludes when Lane said that this was reminiscent of something that happened 16 years before. And, well, I think that's all I'm going to say about it now. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And, um... I appreciate you listening. If you want free books, go to jimheskett.com forward slash reader group. If you want to enter my currently running giveaway, go to jimheskett.com forward slash contest. And uh, thanks for checking out the show, and I hope you have a great day.
That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.